So I was, I was watching the MLB network and I thought I made an interesting observation about something. And I think having done research, it might be fake news. There is a lot of fake news out there these days. So, so let me send you a picture. I thought that maybe, you know, the, at the, I don't know if it's the Rogers stadium or the Rogers, no, it's the Rogers center in Toronto where the Toronto blue Jays play. Mm-hmm. You know how they mark on the outfield wall on baseball stadiums or in baseball fields, they have um, the distance marked uh, like maybe in three or four different spots. Yes. So I just sent you a picture. I thought, I was like, oh, that's funny because it's in Canada. They have it both in uh, Imperial and Metric. But actually now doing the math, I don't think it, I don't think it is. Because these numbers don't make sense. So I'm, I'm seeing what you're seeing here and that would have been my guess too. So under the center field 400 foot marker, Below Wait, that is, is. 121.9. That has to be. 400, has to... Me- 400 feet in meters. It is. Yeah. Well, no, the thing that doesn't make sense then, because I was, I was looking at this, because again, I want to make sure I'm given accurate information. Like b- the, um, the ones under like uh, in like shallow right field, it says 328, uh, 328 feet, but the, it's somehow exactly 100 meters which doesn't make sense or does it feet and meters hey i'll be damned i'm right cool <laughs> okay you can you can stitch that together so it sounds like i was right the whole time and i wasn't oh yeah no we'll um yeah we'll definitely fix that in post <clears throat> yeah so we're talking about this because this was this is this has been the dumbest week of the horse year of jesus christ <laughs> so there was no let up this week because literally due to the time difference being on the on the best coast or the one true time zone like your week was ruined or your week meaning just anybody in in the pacific time zone just like by 9 a.m you already had a reason to just feel bad and ashamed of your country so yeah i going into the weekend knew that the summit was on monday so i was already kind of just unhappy about it being just at the general start of the week mm-hmm. but right i had not factored in the time difference and so Waking up on Monday morning, I wake up to, you know, eight breaking news notifications, mm-hmm. which is just, especially these days, never a good sign. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, like that's, and that's the thing where like, because everybody always makes the joke about like, oh, is, is it, is it Friday yet? Or is it the end of the week yet? But no, it was literally, you, you, you've barely had your fills and you're already just wondering to some, I'm going to, it's like a, the, the groundhog thing where you see your shadow and you just want to climb back into, <laughs> into your hole and uh, wait for it to be April or what, whatever they do in, in Maine. But, you know, Carlos, it was just a simple swap of a word can happen to anybody. I mean, come on. He had 10 days of grueling summits, you know, lots of travel. I mean, cut, cut the man some slack. I, I I I did a while. I don't know. Like I, I think as a country, we all looked past uh, the the on on audio tape uh, sexual abuse admissions. I think I think we all did. So we're, we're, we're moving on. I didn't mean for this to be a political one, but um, there was a, there was actually a New York Times story earlier tonight, which was that basically he was given very very solid intel as of like January 2017 that it totally was, and he was like he didn't believe it from the from the start. Yeah, that's been a trend where when he's tried to walk something back, there's usually these types of leaks and stories that come out that sort of push back against the pushback, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is heartening to see that at least parts of our system still work. 
Yeah, we're not we're not, we're not gonna talk about this. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're just gonna move on. Okay. The only good thing I will say or do or if I still have the link to it, it's my favorite. So I'll, I'll put it in Slack later. But there was I and I actually think I sent it to you, which is uh, there was a lot of um, internet jokes related to that whole weird rambly sentence where he says I, I uh, this person denied it forcefully, and there was somebody who had a, a dog who destroyed her her toy, and uh, oh there it is. Yeah, I have Ryder right here. She said it's not her. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be her. And it's a dog standing very proudly in front of a shredded, I don't know if it's asparagus or what it is, but it looks like it looks like a very nice toy that's no longer in one piece. Cute pup, though. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So going along with this week being really dumb and stupid, uh, Prime Day is dumb, and I don't like this at all. <sighs> yeah, it definitely gets a lot more coverage than it should. It's it's treated like news and it's not news and black friday is sort of in the same way but because prime day is a made-up thing from one internet commerce giant that i I am becoming more annoyed with because it they sell fewer and fewer legitimate products or there's just there's so much riffraff on amazon but um yeah it's it's really dumb because there is a whole ton of like i mean beyond even just um the wire cutter and like you, you expect like in like in gizmodo like there's some things where you expect them to be like oh here's the best stuff you can get on prime day or or, or it's just it's crossing over too much where it feels like it's just it's a dumb thing and it's a commercial event and you're basically de- devoting a lot of coverage to what it amounts to a minor sale right because black friday is generally not focused on one or even a handful of retailers it's usually just about sort of the day itself and amazon it's about, prime it's is about consumerism yeah yeah, it's about buying buying cheap plastic that's in blister packs, <laughs> right? Which is in and of itself cheap plastic. It's in like cheap plastic inception. Well, maybe that's why actually Amazon does deserve the coverage because they have that really great hassle-free oh, packaging. Yeah, frustration free. Oh, frustration. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's like efficiency studio. It's it's like it's like <laughs> just wordsmithing to the highest degree, and you're just like it's it's quintessentially American of just yeah. It's, it's the best when you're searching for an apartment and you see the descriptor of cozy oh charming that's another you're red not flag. A, you're not a simpsons fan are you i i'm a casual fan i guess people can go back in their history um there was an episode where uh what's her name marge is goes out for her real estate license and then she's talking to lionel hutz who also who's the on the simpsons he's a, he's the shady lawyer and he's also a real estate agent apparently um and he gives her a bunch of uh coaching on uh, what proper words to use. So if it's like a tiny place, it's cozy. Um, and there's a house that's literally on fire and he says motivated seller. So <laughs> it's good. Uh, the only reason I brought the prime day thing up though, is that, um, Amazon for the past year or so they've had, uh, and I actually think I've brought this up in our Slack where, um, when there's a 404 or a not found page or a, an item that's been deleted or something, the image you get when you, rather than just like a generic 404 page, is a picture of an Amazon corporate uh, team member's dog. And because of a lot of server trouble on the first day of Prime Day, because Prime Day is not a day, it's 36 hours, because of, of course it is, um, people got very acquainted with uh, some some Amazon dogs. And I think uh, the, the corgi is named Muffin. Yeah, uh, Darth had a pretty good tweet storm about that or he was retweeting people who were tweeting at him with various dog images because i i knew about the dog thing but i i guess i didn't realize the variety of dogs 
I think there's about 40 in total because when I found a re- like the first time I encountered it, I just refreshed it over and over and over again to see. To see. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually you started getting repeats, but I'm like, yeah. Um, if only they could have Doggy Merrick Garland from last week tonight. That would be pretty good. Yeah, that's a good dog. Good schnauzer. Molly the schnauzer. Um, what else? Oh, okay. <clears throat> last thing before we get into the actual show. Maybe you can, and this is going to be vaguely political, I think. Uh, you can, ex- can you explain what this means to me? What am I looking at? I just oh, sent you a you thing. You said a thing in the thing. I think this is a Star Wars thing, but I don't know what it means. Yeah, th- this is very much a Star Wars thing. What is this? So, you, you really want me to explain this? I, uh, you, you be judicious about how... <laughs> okay. So in the first Star Wars movie, there is a planet... The first one meaning the fourth one? Correct. A New Hope. Ni- 1977. Uh, good year. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Princess Leia, one of the main characters, her home planet is Alderaan. Early in the movie, she is attempting to get back to Alderaan, and in the midst of that, the planet is blown up by the Empire, which Palpatine, who's quoted in this um, article you sent, or is it an article, or is it, what is this, a headline? I think it was just somebody like, adjusting a New York Times headline to make it a jokey thing. Got it. Uh, so he, he blows up um, Alderaan with the Death Star, and... It's, you know, it, killing millions and millions of people and destroying the entire planet. So I, I think this is in reference to kind of the idea that no matter what Trump does, his supporters will stand by him. Got it. Um, the Death Star wasn't Darth Vader? I thought, who, who, who's the guy in the, in the black mask with the breathing machine? Like, that's I thought he was that's Darth one. Vader, but he's sort of the number two. He's the Mike Pence in this story. Oh, he's the one that... <laughs> okay. Did you see the video from like three weeks ago where Trump... There was some like uh, press conference thing where everybody's around the table. And then for some reason, Trump takes his uh, water bottle off the table. And then Mike Pence does it like a second and a half later. I did see that. Yeah, so... <laughs> Strange. We're not. We're not going to talk about my pets. <laughs> okay. Well, so thank you for explaining that. Okay. So, all right. You've, so I, I thought, you, I thought you. I thought you saw a new hope. I I I watched. I paid attention to half of it. I watched seven eighths of it. Well, actually, so in your defense, though, Palpatine doesn't actually appear in a new hope. We actually don't meet him until the sec. Well, the the episode five. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what Alderaan is either, or I don't remember that, but maybe that was in the initial scroll or something. No, that you should know. Okay. Yeah. My, my, my movie comprehension is not very good when it comes to sci-fi. <laughs> uh, I was really motivated to watch the dark Knight or Batman begins, whichever one you told me to watch. And then I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that some more because I've actually been really wanting the special lady friend to watch a dark Knight as well. It's actually, it's 10th anniversary either today or Knight? yesterday. The the Dark Knight. Mm. Did I say uh? Mm-hmm. God, you were just you were on my ass tonight, man. Frustration free, hassle free. It's like when somebody if somebody calls it the like the Twitter or or the, <laughs> like the snap the oh, Snapstagram. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so the Dark Knight, yeah, it came out ten years ago, either today or yesterday. So I've been thinking more about wanting the special lady friend to see it because she's never seen it either, and I've been kind of having the debate about whether one should really watch Batman Begins first or not. Because that's a much tougher sell if you're trying to sell watching two movies. 
but you do miss a little context by not seeing Batman Begins before The Dark Knight. And Batman Begins is pretty good. It's just not as good. Yeah. If somebody's not motivated to watch one, yeah, doubling down to say there's more context if you watch both is not a great strategy. Well, yeah. No, yeah. The, the Dark Knight's really good. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty confident that if you turned it on, I mean, it, it has one of the best openings of a movie I've ever seen, so it, it would probably hook you pretty quick. Is it an action sequence? Kind of. Uh, not, not really, no. Mm-hmm. It sets up, sets up a character. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe. <clears throat> maybe the next time I get sick, I'll, I'll try to. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so uh, super quick follow-up real quick. So Taco Bell, we, we talked about this uh, last week. Did you bring it up or did I bring it up? I brought it up. Okay, so you gave me a thing, or you sent a thing about uh, Dan Riker, video game guy. Yes, yeah. Um, where Taco Bell they they had been married for a year, and Taco Bell sent them a bunch of soggy food to commemorate. Right. Okay, that was cool. I I'm, I'm bummed that you didn't send me a picture of his dog because on the on the kitchen table or on the coffee table where you see all the the soggy Taco Bell food, you see a box of like uh, K9 Advantage. So. His dog should have been in there. Oh, um, God, what is his dog's name? Oh, I feel I feel so bad for not remembering this. Yeah, he's a great uh, dog. It's it's uh, what's what's it's, his dog's name is Master Chef or Master Chief. No, 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 no. It's actually named after a wrestler, which is another um, thing that Dan is really into. Oh, Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. Is, is Taco Bell wedding dot com down? Let me use some, is this down for everyone or me? I mean, it, is, it is peak wedding season. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, the Taco Bell first look. Um, so I can't pull it up now, but um, there was a thing that I was doing more research on this. And, and it, 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 upon further inspection, I think this uh, Las Vegas fast food wedding chapel is less special than you let on. Because um, under the specifications or like the order requirements, because apparently you can just pay $400 on Taco Bell's website and reserve this thing. Uh, it says they need four hours notice. Which, which I, I would have thought this is maybe a month-long thing or maybe required more forethought, but no, apparently you can, it's like, I, like scheduling an appointment at the DMV, you can just get a Taco Bell thing for uh, four hours notice. And apparently, and you also caught it that, oh Yeah, real, real-time, real-time follow-up, Razor is his name. Oh, like the gaming keyboard, got it. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, a sweetheart. Very honest eyes. Yeah. Um, and then also you noticed something that they gave you champagne, but they also put Mountain Dew in it. Yes. Which I think we should dub a red state mimosa <laughs> um, to make sure we got no sponsors from uh, the heartland ever. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah so the webpage is still not loading for me. So, but that's, I don't know. I know. I feel like I was, meh. I feel like I was pretty explicit last week because remember I mentioned that I had been there that same weekend that Dan was last year and we actually walked up into the, and I think I even used air quotes, which I'll use again here, the chapel area. And it was mm-hmm. quite underwhelming. Got, oh, so that's why you decided not to fast track things. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had it been a Chipotle cantina. Well, this, now we'd be, yeah, now we'd be talking. But only, only they if... Have the happy, they have the happy hour because they closed 60 stores. Right. But only if it was a location where they sold the experimental items. So if I could get a quesadilla from Chipotle, then yeah, let's go. Yeah. All right, let's zip right into the regular stuff because it's going to be a quick episode this week. So we don't, 
we still don't have a title for the segment and we're probably never going to because it'd be too much of a ripoff of upgrade but let's talk about a couple of just like a catch-all media story thing so the new york times uh is apparently doing a uh large-scale branding and marketing campaign for the daily in los angeles portland and chicago which is interesting to think that there'd be that much um ad space purchased for uh, a podcast like a, a digital media product that you think a lot of people probably already know about and that i think it's hard to communicate uh in advertising because it raises awareness but it doesn't necessarily uh give like a direct call to action of how to actually obtain it right yeah the ads are a little interesting and also well actually and this is going to pivot into a different thing like have you noticed, you know how whenever at, at the end of podcasts where people always say like, oh, wherever you get your podcasts or rate us on iTunes. In the past six months, ever since Apple did their rebranding thing where stuff isn't really like on the iTunes store anymore, it's now in Apple Podcasts. Like there's been a ton of traction where that's literally the de facto place everybody says to go rate something or review something. So does the Apple Podcast store or directory actually have that much sway? I mean, given that it's the number one used podcast listening app, and I imagine that a lot of people using that app, especially more casual folks, would come in not already knowing what they want to listen to, and so they just sort of go to the directory. So yeah, I would, I would think so. Definitely not for you know podcast nerds like us, but I'd say for the the casual listener, sure. Well, like when, but when you think that just. I know in the U.S. it's a little bit different, but Android phones are just by far more dominant. Like I know the demographics probably work out to the point where um, Apple users, even though they're a minority of overall installed devices, are probably the majority of listeners of podcasts. But yeah, I don't know, like because worldwide, definitely. But also in the U.S., yeah, Android does have more devices. But it's only been as of late that Google has made an attempt to have a competent first party pod catcher or whatever whatever those things are called right well i mean i think you know maybe we'll see over time if google's solution gains some traction and podcasters start to notice a larger percentage of their audience coming from google maybe they'd say rate us on both apple and google but especially for sort of generalist shows like the daily and what i mean by that is sort of you know with techie uh, shows yeah you know overcast and these other third-party podcast players are obviously going to be a much higher percentage of the audience but in a show like the daily or let's say like this american life um i would have to assume i mean what do you think i'd say 70 80 percent of the audience is probably probably coming through on apple podcasts yeah probably yeah it is weird that uh up until last week there was no website for the daily and now there actually is. Well, there there kind of was, right? You could go to like nytimes.com slash the daily and it was basically just a pretty up like RSS feed. Kind of, but like uh, at least now like people can actually, and I know that's probably not, not a plus, but people can comment on it. Like it was a news article. Like it's more um, substantial. Whereas before, like if you had searched like New York Times, uh, the daily, uh, what was a good, well, like the, the coal miner episode, like something like that. Like that, that would have been tough to find, but now it's more of a substantial thing. So that's kind of cool. Where do you, but I do, I, where do you see, where, where's the commenting? 
Barbaro uh, did this, or, or he or he said at the at the end of the thing, said mytimes.com slash the daily. Um, so like if you just click on the first, uh, how do you do the thing? Um, maybe they took it away because people were saying terrible things. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I'm not not seeing an ability to comment. Huh? There totally was the first day that um they posted it. So maybe maybe they they backtracked on. It. <laughs> I could see why they would take it away. This is this is why we can't have nice things. What is Radio Public? Because like if you go to the uh, the the page, so if you go to mytimes.com slash daily and you look at the first thing, it says, listen and subscribe to our podcast from your mobile device via Apple Podcasts, via Radio Public, and via Stitcher. What is Radio Public? Uh, well, I'm, so I'm clicking on the link here. Um, oh, maybe, maybe it's because it, it has more stuff on Android. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, weird. Um, okay. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, and, I, and I really like the, um, the tagline. It's actually, it's a pretty good one. The, this moment deserves to be understood. And that is what the daily is good at. Yeah. It brings people who, who bring the news to you and the people who report them and who research and report the news and explains it in a really fun and interesting way. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, AT&T and their, uh, uh, pending purchase or potential un- like return policy on Time Warner. Uh, the Department of Justice is going to appeal the approval that the merger got, um, which, meh. I mean, I, I don't know if this, like, because it is a directive of the Trump administration, right? Or th- that seems like most of the efforts to block it were relate were slightly politically motivated. Right. So, I mean, so it is getting that. And, and I, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge related to this, but the one thing I would say where you would like AT&T, like in, in the aftermath of the approval, AT&T worked really, really quickly to try to integrate most of the assets into itself and do they did a whole bunch of uh, sketchy is the wrong word but they they tried to bundle in a whole bunch of the newly acquired content rights that they have into some of their um wireline and wireless services and offering people the option of choosing hey you can get h or you can get direct tv now or uh paid pandora or hbo go like a lot of stuff uh, as part of your subscription so that was a little bit weird but the one thing that I don't remember if we talked about last week was um, the New York Times had a thing where somebody recorded an internal uh, meeting where the AT&T people and the HBO uh, people met for the first time. And they discussed the strategy that AT&T wants to take with that business and whether or not they would be a hands-off new owner or if they were going to, to try to um, reshape the company. And it looks like it's going to be more of the latter. I mean, when you spend that much money, it's you're not going to just have your acquired entity sort of just do its own thing. But, but I, I know this is, this is very idealistic or somebody who just wants HBO to be left alone. But like it's 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 a very, very profitable, high quality entertainment creation platform. Like I, I just see I, I don't. I think there's a ton of risk and and potentially very little upside to upending the like the way that they actually do things. Like I I, I think that's a risky gamble. And AT and T thinking that this could be an easy way for them to have like a viable Netflix competitor, since Disney, um, if they get clearance to buy 
21st Century Fox's assets, like they'll they'll have a majority stake in Hulu, and then they'll have their solid um, streaming service partner. Like I, I just don't see what the upside of uh, meddling to not mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a charge word, right? Um, yeah, both sides um, would wouldn't. It was really uh, not convincing that he was just reading straight off a piece of paper, a piece <laughs> of paper which in the hand in, in the margins he hand wrote no collusion. It's pretty good. <sighs> um, God damn it, Ryan. We, we we weren't we were on track. We were talking about media <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it feels like uh, yeah, like meddling in uh, what's a very profitable and successful business. Like I just don't like we're we're uh hbo like the, i think like the at t guy said like we want people not measuring um their hbo watch time in hours per week but like hours per day which i kind of get but eventually like do they want them to be netflix where they're releasing 50 original series a year and just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks like i just hbo has always been a prestige brand and it's profitable, and for the most part, I think most people feel that the way in which they've moved beyond a strictly cable company model has been fairly successful. So I don't know. Like I, I, I it just seems like a, like a kind of a weird thing for AT and T to so quickly try to assert their uh, like ideals and, and and business plans on it. Yeah, I I don't have a ton to add. I I agree that it's it's sort of unclear uh, the direction that they're going to take. Yeah, uh, but who knows? Maybe they won't have the chance to. Um, related, Netflix uh, received more HBO nomination or HBO nominations. Netflix received more Emmy nominations than HBO for the first time. Uh, to which friend of the pod and also best newsletter in the world writer uh, Dave Pell wrote. Uh, that proves that uh, Netflix uh, wait, was it? Netflix got more Emmy noms than HBO for the first time, which proves that buying a thousand lottery tickets gives you a better shot than buying three, <laughs> which is pretty good. Um, but yeah, Netflix has too much stuff. Yeah. And lastly, in media stuff, uh, YouTube, uh, did you watch any of the World Cup? Uh, little bits of it here and there. Okay. Um, yeah, YouTube TV uh, apparently suffered a big outage in the middle of the England-Croatia game, um, which uh, points to something that I think I've, I've been harping on for a while, where cord cutting and strictly internet-based video on demand is challenging, and that the reliability and video quality isn't necessarily there, and that just like the logistics of sending out unique streams of live content to millions of people at a time is still incredibly difficult over the internet and very, very, very bandwidth intensive. And this kind of bears that out. And YouTube TV, which is, again, by, like by Google, a company that is is very good at internet, from what I've heard, um, like it it just seems it seems challenging. And I, I, I don't know, it's, it seems like there is still some merit to the efficiency I don't know, that's, that's probably the wrong word, but the, the capability of traditional linear TV and like cable delivery for um, something where some everybody in the world could be watching one thing at once and the internet doesn't crash. Yeah, I mean, I IPTV's just not there yet. I mean, to be honest, I don't even I don't even follow the technical side of it all that closely, just because 
as has been well documented, I think we actually we were both skeptical just of sort of even just the economics of it. So it's just not even a topic that super interests me. All right. Um, so that's that. Do you want? Uh, okay, let's let's ease into the the next topic. How, how's Terry? Um, Terry kind of had a rough week. Um, oh no! Yeah. Um. Well, so you know, I had mentioned you know I took it in, uh, just to have the scratches fixed that were on it, um, originally, and that was great. Uh, picked it up. Uh, there was a software update available actually that same day. So I went to install that and the update failed. And so I called uh, Tesla support line. Okay. Oh, can, can I stop you real quick? Sure. What, what happens when the software update fails? Does that, <laughs> or, I mean, like, it, is it just like uh, your software did not update? Everything's fine or it action is required? Action is very much required. Um, oh, no. So, you know, I guess to be more, a little more specific about the sequence of events here, I got home. I you know, was like, oh, yeah, okay, go ahead and install the update. So, started the update, got out of the car, had some lunch, get a notification on my phone, which I was actually, I was kind of curious. I'm like, huh, I wonder if it'll notify me when the update's done. And sure enough, it did, except it said software update failed. So, I thought, huh, that's annoying. But I didn't, I didn't really think too much of it, but I, I did go out to the car and there's like this big warning on the screen indicating that the car uh, cannot either start or charge. <laughs> Wait, those seem like very important things. Right. Uh, due to a software issue. And so, again, I called Tesla support. Um, they were very nice. And they sort of manually pushed the update to me again. So I kicked off the update a second time. Same exact thing happened. And so then I kind of thought, okay, well, the next step here is probably going to be they're just going to have to send out a technician because I've heard about they they call them like their mobile rangers. They have like these people that go out and can like work on cars, you know, like either at your home or at your office or wherever. Uh, but no, that, that was not an option that was presented. And apparently even when you go down that route, those are for services that are not like time critical at all because they're scheduled out like multiple days in advance. So the only alternative was to have the car towed to the service center. No way. Yeah. And keep in mind, this was literally the same day I had just picked it up after having dropped it off there five days earlier for, you know, an unrelated thing. So I had the car back for like four hours and then mm -hmm. it had to get towed back to the service center. Um, well, and you, you have the all wheel drive model, right? No. Okay. So that was, you know, whatever. Towing's not really that big of a deal, but... Um, well, but emotionally, this the mental... <laughs> no, I, you know, it, 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 it sounds stupid to say, but yeah, no, it was like, it's like, shit, this, this is really a place, like, this is a bummer, like, watching it just, like, <laughs> get driven away. Like, it was... It's like yeah. a BMW. It was, yeah. It's like, it's like, you are Casey. Yeah, no, it just, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty shitty. Um, but, you know, whatever, it, it was what it was, and... You know, to their credit, they worked on it really, really quick. This was like a Saturday, um, like in the late afternoons. So they had just closed by the time it got there, but like they started communicating with me 8 a.m. right when they opened on Monday. So, you know, they got on top of it. Turned out that one of the uh, cameras had failed to like turn itself on to accept the update. 
Uh-huh. Um, and like the, the camera itself is fine. It just, it just for whatever reason didn't wake up during the update. And so when that happens, the update stops and then basically just, you know, kind of cancels itself out and then puts the car into sort of this limbo state. Yeah, that's not, that's not like something a like Geek Squad tech tells somebody when a Windows XP update doesn't install. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, pretty disappointing. I I I do have the car back now. The, there is another issue it's having where sometimes when I get in the car, the screen takes a little while to boot up. Uh, it's a little while, you know, fifteen seconds or so. And it's supposed to be like instant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked them about that, and it, it's a you know you you can't make this this stuff up. It, it's a it's a known firmware issue with this latest <laughs> version mm-hmm. of the software. Engineering is aware of the issue, and it's going to be fixed in a future firmware update. Mm. So, um, oh. I had a really, really great first week. The trip down to Santa Barbara could not have gone any better. I mean, I, you know, anyone who listened to last week's show could probably tell how happy I was about it. It's been a bit of a rougher second week. But, you know, this is, this is part of owning a first year manufactured car. Like my, my first car, which you'll remember. Well, no, you'll remember this. My first car, which was a uh, Michael Scott Chrysler Sebring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. we had, we had the first year model of that car as well. And obviously no, no, fir- <laughs> no, 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 no firmware issues there, but <laughs> that car did have just an ungodly number didn't of problems. That, didn't that car break down like every six months? It did. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, um, it's actually funny. I was, t- I forget who, but I was telling someone the story about that car. This was just a few months ago. <laughs> I, I don't think I told you this. Can't believe I didn't. I was like halfway through saying a sentence that I had said a few times before when I told that story. I'm like, and you know, that was an important lesson as to why you never want to buy a car the first year that it's manufactured. And I like, I caught myself halfway through that sentence. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, that's what I'm doing with the, the Model Three. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure the first year thing's actually. A I, thing. Think, I, no, think I think. I think that's a thing. That. I think I that, think that's is. a thing. Mm, well, yeah. whatever. It's been a thing in my experience, and especially when a car is. Well, it's because you keep buying cutting edge cars. I guess. The Sebring was just too <laughs> modern for the American aesthetic. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think a continuing takeaway, and I, maybe I said this last week too, it very much feels like a smartphone. Like the, the car, the car, like just, I don't know, everything about it just very much feels like a smartphone. You mean like it's got quirks that you learn to live with? You mean sort of? Kind of, and also there's just really not much to the hardware. It's really all about the software. Uh, uh, I, I I think that analogy breaks down. It it kind of it does, but because most of the fun of the Tesla, like you said, you you feel it's really sporty and like that kind of stuff. Like most of that is all hardware, just in the way that it drives the um and like the batteries and all that stuff. True. Um. I guess I'm just talking about the way that you inter- you interact with it. Yeah. Oh, uh, can I? Uh, what is that the end of your story? Yeah. Yeah. How How do you like the frunk so far? Or does the Model Three have a frunk? The, the it does have a frunk. Yes. 
yeah are you using it is that where groceries go or how do you how is it going that's great um it actually so it has a couple of things it has the frunk and then also in the trunk it has a uh <laughs> oh, like <laughs> It has an, like an extra storage compartment. So you can actually like kind of lift up the bottom of the trunk and down below is like a bunch of extra storage. So isn't that, isn't that what the spare tire is supposed to go? It is. Yeah. Um, There's this one. <laughs> so I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's clearly, it's not like there's supposed to be a tire there and it's missing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I do, I do need to take the time to figure out where the spare tire is in that car. Um but in, anyway, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of storage, which is nice. I mean, that trip to Santa Barbara, we had four people with kind of an unusual amount of extra luggage because it was a wedding. And you just, you know, you might actually learn this next week. You just, you kind of need more stuff at a wedding than you do other types of trips. So we had a lot of suitcases and things. And even though there were four of us, between the the trunk and the frunk we had no no issue fitting everything disappointingly tesla like they will offhandedly refer to it as the frunk but in the actual menu and like on in the smartphone app and everything it is just referred to as the front trunk boo which is which Boring. is a severely missed opportunity mm-hmm. yeah it's like uh, uh yeah no i don't like that at all that's too, that's too clinical yeah i agree yeah um, so, you know, also, I guess another note is, so over the better part of the last week, I've been driving a Model S. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of the Model S. I gotta be honest. You, you mentioned last week that you, you, it feels like a tank and it's just too, it's too much of a boat car. Yeah, it, it totally is. And I just, I, it's weird, but I, the, the biggest thing I was hesitant about with the Model 3, other than it just being a smaller car than I'm used to driving was the you know lack of a dash and just having that one screen? Mm-hmm. I think I really like it. I don't think I I don't think I super like the Model S's center dash and then having like the big screen in the center. I mean, there's definitely parts of it that are advantageous, but I think I kind of like just the one screen. I think you're right, but it's mainly that the Model S the like because it, it basically has. I do you remember I, I, the one I had in college, like that 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 big ass Dell monitor that everybody in the world had. Uh huh. It's basically that turned in vertical mode and just jammed on the center dashboard. Like it feels out of place and not all that useful because most of the important stuff is in like the top third of the screen. Right. So it just seems like a, a like not a wasted opportunity, but just, it just seems excessive. It's one of those, like you didn't ask if, uh, if you could, but why, like, should you or whatever Jeff Goldblum says. So I think like, like the, like digital dash still makes sense, but the fact that it's paired with this like gigantic ver- ver- vertical monitor makes less sense. Where the Model Three has a fairly like subdued and sensibly sized middle screen, and right. it clusters the critical stuff on the left, which makes like I don't know. Does the Model Three have an, a, a heads-up display? No. I think if it did coupled with the middle screen that would be the perfect medium yeah i think i mean i and i i'm pretty sure i said this on air that when the model 3 was first announced my prediction was there had to be one of two angles to the story they it had to be either there was going to be a really cool heads-up display that they were going to talk about later or they were going to go all the way and start going down the self-driving route 
and they obviously have chosen the latter because you know the center screen also makes total sense in a fully autonomous vehicle sure um but anyway i in practice i end up really liking it um and the other thing with the model s and this is very much just like a nitpicky tech nerdy sort of thing but that center screen that the big vertical screen is kind of showing its age a little bit like the resolution on it's not quite as high as it should be like the the resolution on the model 3 screen is really nice it's a really good display and the center screen on the model s looks pretty nice but that that big screen is again just a little bit lower res than than what i'd want it to be Mm. um so i mean i don't know it feels weird about complaining about like a ninety thousand dollar car but um but I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, and it's a, it's a good thing for me, I guess. But I, I really do like the Model Three quite a bit more. It feels like it feels like a much more modern car. Like the Model S on the inside almost actually feels like an older car. Well, that was the big. So yeah, two things. The Model S, it's it's really dated at this point. They gave it a minor facelift. I know. Yeah, I know. They, they changed. Really they changed the front of it. Yeah, it's got um, the fish mouth in the front now, but like it's right. like it, it, and that was one of the big knocks about it because the whole thing is the Model S was appealing toward people who were who were considering like the seven series and and like the Audi A8 and stuff like that. Like where uh, it it uh, Tesla at the beginning wasn't very actually. I'm I think they got better at it with the Model Three and they they learned a lot in the Model X, but th- their experience making interiors was not very good. And the Model S really shows that. Where compared to a, a luxury car of the same cost, the Model S does not feel that well designed and nice on the inside. Yeah, and it it is a it's a weird middle ground that Tesla's in because they've been careful to say that the Model Three is not a superior car to like the Model S, and I mean obviously it's a it's a pretty significantly cheaper car. Even the higher end model that they're manufacturing now, and which I have, it is still quite a bit cheaper than most configs of the model s and model x but there just there are parts of it that do feel a lot more modern even just Mm -hmm. like um there's just many fewer manual buttons and parts to the model 3 so for example just like the way the turn signals work um you know they they um they sort of snap back to place even when they stay on they all the mirror adjustments are all done just either on the screen or with the two little thumb wheels on the steering wheel whereas on the model s there's like a kind of a traditional sort of button panel that you do all that um then yeah there are just parts of the model s that feel like an older car whereas the model 3 feels a little bit newer which i guess you know it, it is a newer car so that kind of makes sense but um mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like what's the analogy here? I, I I don't have the specifics off the top of my head, but it's kind of like where like with the iPad Pro, how like the ten point five inch when it was first introduced ended up having like a couple of better features than the twelve point nine. Like didn't it have like True Tone or something before the twelve point nine, or had like the higher refresh rate or something? So it was like Jason Sell's whole thing was like if you told someone to go into an Apple store and buy the best iPad. Like you couldn't really do that. Uh, it, it's like when you have two kids and you, you've learned a lot with the first one, so the second one turns out better. <laughs> but like, there just wasn't like there, no, just, like there wasn't like total sense. There wasn't the like feature was, 
parity. Yeah, like the iPad Pro was was more expensive and was supposed to be the uh, I mean the 12.9 Pro was supposed to be the flagship model and the absolute best one and it was the most costly one, but because it was a uh, a less um, mass market product, it didn't get the attention that the smaller one did. And yeah, you're right, like didn't have feature parity for a while and the the middle ground, the actual cheaper one in a lot of ways felt better or actually was legitimately better. And that's I think I think that's exactly where the Model 3 is. Like there are parts yeah. of that car that are just more modern and better designed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's a young car company, so I mean they're learning a whole bunch. Like cuz they they had their whole like experimental phase with the Model X and a lot of weird stuff happened there and uh, they with some editing, they they managed to turn out the Model 3, which seems pretty solid. The sort of <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, software updates aside, yeah. and towing incidents. Aw. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so I, I bring that up to, to butter you up into talking about Elon Musk, who had a week. Yeah, he's had a, he's had a bit of a year. Yeah. So his his uh, Thailand submarine and his stuff. I, I know we've talked about this in the past. I think this is more in terms of like Tim Cook and Steve Jobs and, and Apple and that kind of stuff. But like, what what is what is your thing with being able to separate um, the person, like a, a personality with a company? How how divorced from uh, Tesla can you ever place Elon Musk? Does it do his outbursts and uh, just some of the garbage stuff? Like like he he's he's a very successful person, doing a lot of cool, interesting stuff. A lot of impressive stuff, like the the fact that Tesla is where it is, other than their cash flow, like a, a lot of stuff is maybe a little iffy with him. Seems pretty successful, but also the guy seems, um, uh, at, at least not not like a great person on Twitter, and and very prone to um, bouts of anger and being distracted easily, kind of. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not making a joke, very, very similar to, to the commander in chief. Like, so how, how do you, how divorced can you place him with the company that he runs and founded? I generally pretty separate. Um, I, we've talked about this in the context of Uber where mm. I've mm. continued to use Uber over the years, even when they were sort of at their lowest point culturally, just because Companies like Uber and Tesla are thousands, tens of thousands of employees, many of whom, most of whom, don't share the same values as parts of management. Um, now, that's not to say that management doesn't play a role in the culture of a company. I mean, clearly they do, and I've, I mean, I've even I've seen that firsthand in in various job experiences that I've had, and so I'm a big believer in that. But I would say as an end user or a consumer of a company's product or service, I find it fairly easy to recognize that there are lots of other people who make the company possible, especially in the sense that it's, it's, you know, when I, when I picked up my model three, I wasn't like personally picking it up from Elon, like, mm -hmm. you know, and when I have to have it towed to the service center and work with people there, you know, that's Elon's not there either. Like I'm working with these, but what have been really, really nice and helpful service people and salespeople. So, and like with Uber, it's, you know, taking rides with very friendly drivers who are just hardworking people, 
you know, trying to get by. So, you know, the interactions that you have with these companies aren't with these handful of executives that are, you know, kind of scumbags and who say stupid things and do stupid things. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I'm that's how I'm kind of able to separate the two. Okay, so that that's that's fair. Um, but can it work both ways where whenever something really impressive happens, like, do you do you feel at all that the Model 3 is kind of a triumph of Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk's like determination and direction and drive for the company? I guess it feels like sometimes a lot of times um, tech CEOs and and influential people like this like can get, they they seem to get all the credit, but a lot of times people turn a blind eye when they act out or or just start doing awful things or that stuff seeps in. I mean, you know, I'm certainly no like Elon Musk historian or anything, but my high level understanding of not only Tesla but also um, his other company SpaceX is he tends to hire really smart people and really hardworking people. And that's to me, one of the the key things with a, with a CEO or any high level executive, it's all about the people who they hire. Um, same can be said of other situations too, like sports team owners. They, the key there is who they hire to be the GM and who they hire to be the coach. So that's, that's the really important thing. And I think that more so than Elon Musk himself and just sort of his determination it's the shared determination of the people around him, I think, that have led Tesla to where they are today. Hmm. Okay. But it does, you know, but I would say it does cut both ways where I do think sometimes executive gets too, get, executives get too much credit, like when things are going well. Like I always thought that that was, a, that was a fine line, even with like Steve Jobs and Apple. Now he absolutely deserves more credit than most CEOs. There's Mm -hmm. no question about that, especially in like the early days of his return where the company was really financially struggling. Like he definitely had an outweighed um, ability or an outweighed influence over turning that company around. But I, I, I did sometimes feel like at times, maybe especially in more modern or in more recent years where maybe he was getting a little too much credit and people like Tim Cook and like Phil Schiller at the time maybe weren't quite getting their due, which of course they are now, but I would push back on that because I think most of the credit that Tim, no, what's his name? Steve Jobs got was more of his position as a curator and editor of products because I don't ever think anybody ever said that Apple is such a gigantic success story and Steve Jobs turned them around by being this operations master and finding a way to streamline supply chain and get great component costs and make strategic acquisitions. Like, I don't think the the reasons people identified him as such an important figure were because of the things other people were doing. I think a lot of it was like where, like the whole like skating to where the puck is going, like that kind of thing. Like where this, I think like probably with the influence and, and, and input of Schiller and a lot of other people, like the ideas of like a, a uh, what's what's the word a cannibalizing your most uh, profitable and um, high sales product in order to uh, supplant it with a product category that you think could be even bigger like the kind of like the making the bets on the iPod Mini and then the iPod Nano and then the um, the iPhone and stuff like that so I th- I th- I don't know I I I I totally take your point where it's it's tricky where 
you will get this like cult of personality and you will get somebody who's identified as this monolithic figure kind of the same way that like the uh, the presidency kind of encapsulates most of American government and a lot of exceptionalism that people would identify with the United States where a lot of times that comes down to a single figurehead and that a lot of times with business becomes the CEO and then it's not a accurate representation of everything that goes into a company. Well, and that's what I'm saying is and I'm not saying that people like wrongly attributed Apple's like manufacturing success to to Steve Jobs. But what I'm saying is that people sort of just dismiss that part of the business. Like Steve Jobs could be the best product designer and editor in the world, but if he doesn't have someone like Tim Cook helping him manufacture it, then Apple doesn't get to where they're going. And I think it's easy to just miss that just like in the same way like with tesla today elon musk is not in the factory personally manufacturing 5000 model 3s a week you know, that that's the work of really smart engineers and factory workers so uh-huh. you know i there are just aspects of the business that people don't think about which are absolutely critical and i, I would say almost as important as like in the case of G- steve jobs his original product vision or like in the case of Tesla, just Elon's general like cult of personality. Mm. Yeah, there is that story he always tells about how he slept on the floor of the factory for a while. Yeah, I mean, again, like he he, he absolutely plays a key role, just like every mm-hmm. CEO does. But I just you know I, I think it's it's easy to forget about everything else that happens within a company. Yeah. And lastly, on this, do you fear as somebody who? That's, that's probably wrong. You're not, you're like, you're not an investor or maybe you are. Um, uh, like, do you ever worry that somebody who is a loose cannon or is, um, maybe prone to being distracted by shiny objects and giving into, um, like lo- losing restraint with, uh, civility or common sense? Like, do you feel that that's a liability for the company or a, a company whose product for the most part you like? Do you see, do you see Musk at this point as a liability in the era of Trump? No, I don't think so. Hmm. Interesting. No, like I honestly, I would say I do. Like to the point where I think once Tesla becomes kind of a mature enough company that they, you know, they might try to pull a, uh, like a, a, a same thing where uh, Kalanick got forced out of Uber. Like eventually, there there could be a point where somebody is really, really driven and is doing is is accomplishing a lot, but at what cost? And I think. I, Tesla will probably get to that point because he has had a really bad year. C- calling a journalist a pedophile and being mad that you can't send your mini submarine and you should go like put kids back in a well or whatever. Like, I mean, like it, he's had a rough, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he needs, he needs <laughs> to stop. Yeah. But I think unlike Kalanick, I, I don't think I don't think he's gone to like the levels that someone like Kalanick did Mm -hmm. because with Kalanick, it was even more than just, well, I I, I don't know. I don't want to say that in a way that diminishes the impact of what he said. I mean, what Elon said was disgusting, but Kalanick also had a lot of, let's say, actions that also were kind of repugnant. And I don't Mm -hmm. think Elon's not quite there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. All right. Uh, Apple stuff. New MacBook Pros. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> what was that when did that happen was that this week or last week or last year yeah i mean speaking of things that we woke up to and we're just kind of surprised by i was a little slow catching up on the news that morning this was what like last thursday or something maybe um and was like i saw like a couple of tweets about macbook pros and I, I i assumed it was some rumor about them coming out in september but no, it was these refreshed MacBook Pros that uh, had been released that morning. Um, you know, the the headline of which was the this sort of like third generation butterfly keyboard, which Ooh. Apple put out a statement saying in no way is supposed to like fix any sort of mechanical issues with compared to previous keyboards, which for probably various legal reasons that's kind of what they have to say publicly um and in practice they they probably have made improvements to it but they they focused on the um noise that the keyboard makes which mm -hmm. is also a thing i th i would say kind of an undercovered part of why the new keyboard is bad they are really loud yeah clickgate yeah um yeah I, I i actually think it's the reverse where they were trying to solve the reliability problem and they did so by putting little rubber gaskets underneath the key switches um to seal them up and i think the fact that they were quieter was a byproduct of that and therefore that's what they're going with but the point was to try to salvage a incredibly unreliable design without having to re-engineer the entire casing of the product. Yeah, maybe. Um, but then the, you know, the other part of the story, I think, um, which you know, this week's upgrade, I, I thought, did a nice job summarizing. It, these updates just continue to put Apple's laptop lineup in this a really weird state where they, they kind of they don't have a laptop for consumers anymore at least not one that's like updated in any reasonable way yeah i mean because to clarify this this update only applies to so this update is not just the keyboard redesign this is also um uh an update to use intel's latest coffee like processor series um and this only applies to touch bar macbook pros so the macbook escape as it's called um did not get that so a lot of the 13 inch models and some of the lower end models did not so that's where that that's what creates that bifurcation where it seems like there's either the super old MacBook Air that's just hanging out there or there's the high end MacBook Pro and it's just kind of vague as to what their consumer laptop strategy is. Right. Um so to use Jason's parlance, sort of the other shoe to drop seems to be some kind of update to other parts of the line. I'm curious if if A, you think that is what's going to happen, and B, like what you think those changes would be. Here's the thing. I don't think anything's going to happen for a while. Because like there was that, I forget if it was German or Ming-Chi Kuo or somebody else, but like somebody was saying that like, you know, a lot of the Mac lineup is going to get uh, a revision before the end of the year. Like, and I think they even threw out there that, hey, even the Mac mini is going to get some action or is going to, is going to get some attention. And I really think that like the Mac Pro, like, the touch bar is such a dead end where I don't really think they make a massive change to the product until they figure out what they're going to do with that. Cause do you honestly believe, like, do you think that the touch bar lives on? Like, do you think the next time they redesign 
they do a more substantial redesign of the high-end MacBook Pro. Do you think it's going to have a touch bar? Man, it's it's crazy to think that it wouldn't, given the amount of time and investment, I'm sure, that went into the touch bar. But it really does just seem like you don't hear anything positive about the touch bar and you don't see Apple really doing anything with it. It's very bad. Yeah. And so the more the more time that goes on where there seems to be no positive sentiment and where Apple seems to be ignoring it, the more likely it does seem like that as crazy as it sounds that, yeah, that is a possibility. Because like the, the touch bar is bad and the only upside is that like it's got touch ID. But the thing is, Apple's already stated their intention to eventually probably move everything to a face ID kind of system. So like, and that's the other part where I think the Mac, like that, this generation of MacBook Pros is just so weird is that like Apple, like the iPhone 10 didn't just sneak up on them. Like they know where things are going. So if you ultimately think things are going in like the true depth sensor, like face ID, like why even bother putting it on, on the Mac if it's just going to be this thing that has exist for a while? Because none of the other, like all the other stuff feels tacked on. Like really, like what pro user, like do you think actually is using the the touch bar to select emoji? Like nobody. Like Adobe is not updating Lightroom to to support uh, like previewing images and like putting prepare tools and stuff on the touch bars. So other than making it so you can't have an escape key anymore and I have to now use the fucking caps locks key as my escape key, like it's 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 a net uh, negative for the entire computer and it just makes it a worse computer. So like the next time they do an actual redesign and usually that happens like every four years, like the, the unibody MacBook pro stayed around for a little bit longer than, than most laptops do. But like, I, I, I don't see it sticking around because like if they were going to extend it to a different computer, don't you think they, like if it was ever going to go to the desktop, don't you think it would have happened in the iMac pro? Yeah. Like, and, and it didn't. And with the, with the um, uh, all the rumors about the redesigned uh, iPad Pro and the thing where on iOS 12, the clock on the iPad is in the corner now, which implies that, oh, there's probably going to be a notch on this thing. Like, Touch ID is not long for this world, and I'm going to be really bummed about that. I'm going to cling to my iPhone 8 until I, I have to give it up. But like, uh, it just seems like the touch bar is a dead end. And eventually they redesign this whole thing. So then, yeah, what is their consumer strategy? Because they, they're content with selling the MacBook Air because Apple uh, <laughs> is unwilling to uh, ever touch their precious 40% margins to actually make a product that's more compelling. So they have this computer that sits at like $899 or $999 just so they can pretend to be competitive for college students and people don't just run and buy Chromebooks or just like crappy HP laptops. So like what what is their strategy? I mean to me it seems like they just they have to get the the price and this they have to get the price down and the specs up on the MacBook Escape. Like that that seems to be the logical computer that if they could bump that up and get it to around $1000 that that would be a go-to computer for college students and others. Um, and then it also seems like if they do that, then that would probably be what finally gets rid of the MacBook air. 
And then I, I don't really know what you do with the MacBook. The MacBook to me just reads like kind of a failed experiment. Uh, the MacBook is a really weird product or like it, it's because it, when you think about futuristic laptops and or maybe this is the one thing where Jason's funky uh, Frankenstein uh, MacBook iMac or I, I what's he call it? He calls it the iBook, which is a cross between a MacBook and an iPad. Like that's kind of where it seems like that makes sense because it's it seems like a native iPad shoehorned with a with a tablet or with, with a keyboard thing without having that funky smart keyboard attachment. But as a computer, like it's a really unreliable computer that's horribly underpowered that you can't charge and do anything else with. And the wireless future that Phil Schiller promised us like, just isn't here yet. And hell, even if you have four ports with it, the USB-C future isn't even here yet because Apple doesn't make any um, – they don't make the required dongles or adapters for it. Like the Ethernet adapter that they sell is made by Belkin. They have that one weird dollars HDMI and one extra USB-C port thing that they sell. Like this whole generation seems really weird where Apple's not really committed to it. And also they're kind of unwilling to admit that maybe they fucked up a little bit. I don't know. Cause I, I don't, cause you, I mean, you, you work with techie people and stuff like, do you ever see anybody using a MacBook like MacBook, MacBook? I, I can honestly say that I, I don't recall the last time I've seen one in the wild. It's weird. And no one no one at work uses it. I actually I don't even know if it's an option, but um Um Yeah, it's weird. Apple needs to figure this out. Like they do again, they have enough resources and they have enough human capital to fucking to figure out their their not to figure out stuff that's not iOS. Uh, like they have to. They're a computer company. I know they took computer out of the name, but they they have a moral obligation to make actual computers. Yeah, it just it's weird that they don't have and it, what's also weird is that this would be the time of year that you would think that they'd focus on the more consumer facing laptops mm-hmm. because we're getting into shopping season for back to school. So it's it's extra weird that they've chosen to focus on the pro side and and to kind of use your famous phrase to really double down on on the pro <laughs> side. Yeah. How old is the MacBook Air at this point? Well, it got that speed bump, what was that, sometime last year, like late last year? But did it? Because the architecture didn't actually change. No, so it, wasn't, it wasn't a speed bump in... Yeah, it wasn't a change in architecture. I think it was just a, a, just like a general processor bump. So there's got to be a point where Intel just says, like, fuck it, like, we, we can't keep making these old processors. It doesn't make sense for us anymore. And is that what forces Apple's hand? Who even knows? But the the on the plus side, or like the the benefits of behind or beyond the keyboard is that yeah, the high end Touch Bar MacBook Pros um, receive the latest Intel coffee like processors, which means that there is now the op, uh, the possibility of getting a six core i nine processor on the um, on the fifteen inch MacBook Pro, and you can get a quad core processor, which uh, before was never an option on the thirteen inch model, which is pretty cool. A lot of people have been giving Apple credit for that, although it's really just them using the chips that Intel made. Like, so I, I don't see any reason why they would ever uh, decline to use the more powerful processors. But, but whatever. Um, and also with that update on the thirteen on the fifteen inch, that means you can also get thirty two gigs of RAM, which for some professional applications is very important. 
And as usual, you, uh, the RAM is kind of a configure once option. It's not something that you can upgrade later. So it's good that it's an option for appeal. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else on laptops? No, I think that's it. I'm just curious to see what they do forward with the rest of the line. Yeah. And, and, and this is, this is not a controversy I can get behind, but every Apple announcement or product has to have a controversy. And apparently everybody's mad that, um, for thermal envelope issues, the highest end i9 processors in this new generation MacBook Pro, uh, get throttled down uh, to avoid overheating. And so this is now uh, the antenna gate of this generation of computer. <laughs> it's a bummer. Like, I I know it, like it, it sucks that you can't always use it at its full. But I don't know. I, I, I have difficulty getting outraged over it. Well, I think it's it's just another case of where this is. I mean, this is my opinion. Take it, take it or leave it. But I think if Apple were to get ahead of stuff like this, like I think if they were to proactively tell the story mm. around this, that yes, there would still be some people that wouldn't accept it, but I think by and large it wouldn't be a story. But it's only because Apple's just so opaque about stuff like this sometimes that when people find it, there also then becomes this part of the narrative that's oh, Apple's trying to hide this from you, and that's it just makes things worse. Yeah, like I agree, but also I th- I think it's. <sighs> I think that concept is is worse in in terms of like the keyboard and stuff like that, where Apple, like, and this is this is math that Jason talked uh, talked about is kind of like the, the equation of how how uh, prevalent or pervasive is the problem versus how much is it to repair, and eventually there becomes this like this. There's an equation that you can figure out where when does the cost of repair and maybe potential brand tarnishment, uh, like reach a point where it is more advantageous to issue a recall or change the design. Or maybe maybe it was ATP. I don't know. But like that that seems like one thing where there should be hopefully more forthrightness versus just keep putting band aids over band aids uh, to try to salvage this weird funky design because Johnny Ive said the computer had to be thinner and and now we're stuck with this computer where sometimes if I ate a bagel over my computer I can't use the letter N. All right, uh, Adobe might might slash probably will be making Photoshop for the iPad. Says Mark Kerman. Which that makes it a computer now, right? What's a computer? <laughs> um, oh, things that can actually do more than one thing at once. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I oof, this, this is interesting. And, and But the thing is with this, um, it sounds like if, if you read the article that um, Adobe is actually trying to embrace uh, touchscreen computers. I think this is, a lot of this is probably motivated by the Surface. Where... A lot of people do want to use pen input and that kind of stuff, and Adobe to try to continue to be relevant and um, get people on a creative cloud. Like I think it does make sense to ta- to to make more to bring more full featured uh, creative applications to the iPad, um, since it seems that Apple is reinvesting in the iPad as a uh, content creation platform. I mean, it, it, I I don't see what the downside to this is. Like, I don't think anybody's going to not choose to have a Mac because of this. So, and no matter what, like, like Amazon or not Amazon, what's the other company? Okay. Adobe doesn't care. As long as you're paying your $50 a month for creative cloud, they don't, they don't care what platform you're using. So, oh, makes sense. And also there are a lot of other applications like, uh, affinity photo, uh, capture one and procreate a few others 
where there are um, like new companies that are making a lot of stuff that are fairly competitive to Adobe's traditional like legacy offerings. So I don't know. I think they do have to try new stuff. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yep. Uh, and then rounding out the Apple stuff, uh, one thing I don't know if we've talked about here before is that um, Apple Pay, not like the, the, the just like you double click your watch and you can pay for stuff, but Apple Pay as a platform that's integrated into um, OS X and uh, iOS is a really undervalued service. Have you used an app recently on your iPhone where you downloaded like a, a brand's application and were able to make a purchase using Apple Pay without having to input any credit card info? Yes. And did removing that amount of friction make you more likely to complete the transaction? Oh, definitely. It's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I think Apple doesn't lean on that enough. Like, and that's the thing where, that, that's the kind of stuff where it feels like Google can't really compete because like the stuff is just so thoroughly baked in and Apple, at least with payments so far, based on what they've shown and the reliability, not the acceptance rate, the reliability of Apple pay, um, is high enough where like, if I download some random application and like, it's the same thing when I think I talked, I talked about this when I bought those little like uh, Pixar, some, some toys, uh, or little like thingies like, uh, the Disney store app, like I was just checking them out. And I wasn't sure I was going to buy it, but because I didn't have to create an account that all I had to do was add to my cart, Apple already knows my address, Apple knows the, my credit card number, and I could check out in under 10 seconds, like that reduces so much friction and makes for a really powerful experience. And that, yeah, that seems like something that's uniquely Apple, or at least something that they've worked hard to create that um, if app developers use it properly, like gives it just a huge advantage. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's a really, that's a smart take. Well, th- thank you. Yeah, I could, I could be on 538. Not a, not a hot take, a smart take. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's a bummer, though, that even though it is, uh, it exists to a degree on OS X, um, you have to use Safari, so therefore I can never use it on the Mac. Hmm. Yeah. Because hmm. on the Mac, you're using, you're using Chrome, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, pretty cool. All right. Uh, got anything else? I think that's kind of about it. Um, sort of a a crazy week for reasons not related to this show. So, mm-hmm. tech news has played less of a role in my day to day than it than it typically would. That's quite right. It's 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 the summer doldrums anyway. That's right. Um, which is maybe the opportunity to tell people this is going to be the last episode for a few weeks. We're kind of our our summer of fun is sort of just not doing shows <laughs> for a little while. Uh, the ultimate amount of fun, which is doing nothing. Right, right. Um, so our our next show um, will, in all likelihood, be um, August fifteenth. It's still a little TBD um, for actually kind of an, an unrelated reason to the first reason that I'm alluding to. There's going to be a lot of exciting news when we come back on the air. Let's just say that. This is vague as hell. Uh-huh. I'm not even following this. Oh, well, you, you know about the other thing. I do, but uh, yeah, this, this, this is very vague. <laughs> yeah. yeah where, where is the server? Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping hope, hoping to come back with yeah we'll we'll talk about kind of some of the cool stuff that's happening. I'm ho- hoping to come back with some cool international uh, travel experiences and, and takeaways um, as a little as a little preview to that. Um, Did you rent an away suitcase? <laughs> Ten dollars a day. God, that w- it would that'd be an expensive rental. Um, no, but I did purchase the um, recommendation from the most recent Six Colors magazine. The which the timing of this could not have been any better. Jason talked about the European SIM cards that he purchased prior to going to Europe, mm-hmm. and this is going to be my first time giving that a try. They actually just arrived today, so. Are these continental SIM cards or are these single country SIM cards? These are continental SIM cards. They work in, Ooh. I don't know, 25 European countries or something. And mm. it's it's like 30 bucks and they come with 12 gigabytes of data, which compares to like AT&T's international package, which is like a gigabyte of data for, I think, like 50 or 60 bucks. Well, how long are you going to be gone for? We'll be there a little under two weeks. Yeah, but I mean, you could also get AT&T's $10 a day thing. It's $140, but you get access to whatever plan you have. Yeah, but even that, like, I mean, 30 bucks is a lot better than 120 Yeah. What's the company that does it? This one is from 3, which is a, my understanding is a UK-based carrier. But I guess there's laws in Europe which mandate that carriers have to allow roaming um, across all other European countries. So kind of doesn't really matter which carrier you buy from over there it sounds like i know jason gave a really good review of this particular sim card and the the purchase process was really easy because that's the other problem is that with a lot of these sim cards you have to wait until you actually get over there to buy it which i kind of i kind of didn't want our first stop to be when we got there to have to like go into a you know cell phone store so after a 12-hour flight and probably either not having internet or having bad internet that seems like less than a dollar. You want to connect immediately. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I've I've thought about this the other two times I've gone to Europe, and I've kind of chickened out. Um, so I, I really want to just give it a try this time. So, you know, I'm, I'm going into it knowing that there's going to be some quirks, you know, the biggest of which is you don't have your phone number. So you, you do have to, you know, get in touch with the people who you iMessage with and make sure that they're messaging your email address. Because I've I've heard there are mm-hmm. some quirks with the way that iMessage works once you put in a new SIM card, um, and then for folks who don't have iMessage, you know, obviously you 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 would want to, um, or I guess set a different way. People who you stay in touch normally over SMS, you would want to set up to talk with you like over GChat or Facebook Messenger or something. So we'll see. I'm gonna give it a try, um, but it will be nice to kind of be able just to use data like we normally would because that has been that has been a big factor with my other european trips is kind of sipping on data um it's not like i'm on my phone a ton when i'm on vacation but it's just no no fun to be counting the the, the kilobytes yeah exactly yeah so so we'll see how that goes very cool um uh, what countries are you visiting uh we are just visiting italy Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. You'll yeah. be in the, the Venetian canals and be just like Vegas. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. Know. That's right. Let me know if there are any very authentic Ital- uh, Taco Bell cantinas. I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. What is cantina in Italian? 
Yeah, who knows? <laughs> All right. Um, I will. Man, after that, I have a very frivolous one. Uh, so for my chef's corner. Oh, that. Well, I, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess we'll, we'll make that my chef's corner. Oh, I, was that not it? I mean, sure. It is retroactively. No. What was it? I didn't really have anything specific, so that works. That's very vague. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for my uh, this this goes to my, the fact that I am I'm insane. So and, and I'm insane about very particular things and organization. So I'm sending you a picture, and you can somehow find a product code off of it. So uh, I I'm nuts about cable management, uh, especially with a wall mounted TV and some other things. Um, so these are whatever it says there, quick clips. Uh, that have little sticky back things and allow you to uh, nicely and neatly route certain cables uh, through behind a desk or uh, behind a TV. You can stick these to the back of your TV and make it so that your HDMI cables aren't dangling around and stuff's not a gigantic mess. So these feed my OCD and make it easy for me to do that. And that is why I endorse whatever the heck this is. They are like $4.10 at Home Depot. And everything I'm seeing on Google here describes them as being like a uh, Christmas light thing. Oh, they probably totally could do that. They are very great for holiday lights. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm even like a, like a. I guess actually on this this Home Depot link, I guess is what we'll put in the notes. Like, is that, is that where you got them from? Mm-hmm, yeah. Of course, I was just scouting for dogs and none where to be found. <laughs> but it's okay. yeah, yeah, I think that's it. All right. Well, all right. Well, we will we will talk to you uh, in a few weeks. Lots lots of exciting things to talk about when we get back. Everybody have a very safe, prosperous summer. Summer of fun. I think that's trademarked.